open up to the book of Joshua, chapter 10. What's the New Testament word for Joshua? Jason? Jesus. Jesus, that's right. So Joshua is a little bit like a parallel to Jesus in uh, what he does in leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And uh, we know that Jesus Christ has led us, as it were, into the promised land, the kingdom of God that we're now part of. Um, we know, though, that uh, it's not always plain sailing, uh, that uh, our walk in the Lord can be something that... Uh, we encounter many difficulties at times and uh, uh, situations in our life that we look at and we wonder, what is God doing here? Um, but we know that through it, there is always an answer. There's always a way that the Lord is uh, opening for us and that uh, we just have to be patient sometimes and uh, seeking the Lord and looking uh, to him to allow him to guide us. And uh, today I just want to talk a little bit about prayer and the importance of it and also the answers that God provides to us through something that's very basic, isn't it, to a Christian. It's our prayer language and it's our ability to pray to God. In Joshua chapter 10, there's an amazing event take place. Let's just read about it. Verse 1. Now it came to pass when Adonazedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai, and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of Jarmuth, and unto Jephiah, king of Lashish, and unto Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me, and help me, that we may smite Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lashish, the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. And when the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants, come up to us quickly and save us, and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valour. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly, and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel, and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goes up to Bethoran, and smote them to Azekar and unto Machedar. And it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel, and were in the going down to Bethoran, 
that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekar, and they died. There were more that died with the hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spoke Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hasted not to the going down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. A little bit of reading there, but I hope you don't mind. Uh, because it's just a wonderful story of what God does for his people. <clears throat> and we read of the uh, deliverance of Israel. They had uh, been told, you have to go in and occupy this land. And uh, they met opposition. They were resisted from being able, as it were, to occupy the kingdom of God. If you want to parallel it a little bit to our own lives. And in this case, there were five kings and uh, a host of an army that came against them and they went out and they fought against this army and they won the battle. But what we know is, as we've just read, it's not about what they did, it's about what God did for them. They were God's people and God blessed them. But in amongst it, what we read is an answer to prayer. In particular, as uh, we just read there in verse uh, 12, then spoke Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. Joshua spoke unto the Lord. He asked God for some help here. And God came in and uh, he was the one that uh, won the victory for the children of Israel. And as we read in verse 11, that uh, the Lord cast down great stones from heaven and there were more that died from those hailstones than from the children of Israel actually killing them with the sword. And we can have lots of situations in our life, and sometimes we can go in thinking, I've got to do this all myself. I've got to go and work this out. I've got to go and uh, deal with this situation. But it's not in our own strength, and that's the story here for Joshua. Joshua understood what God could do and Joshua spoke unto the Lord. You notice it uses the word he spoke, he didn't pray. He just had a conversation with God. And sometimes we think prayer is perhaps something very special in that the way that we've got to prepare ourselves uh, to talk to the Lord or to present our case to God in some way when all it is is speaking to the Lord. It's talking to God in a way that uh, God wants us to communicate with him and to, as it were, pour out our heart. The things that concern us now concern God. We'll read about that a little bit more in a moment or two. And uh, to the point where Joshua even went as far as saying, I need a bit more time in the day to deal with this. And the sun stayed and the moon stayed 
so that they were able to continue the battle until the battle was completed and the victory was complete or total, if you like. It was something that was uh, fully completed. Uh, Nothing was left undone. And that's the way God is going to work and does work in our lives. We have many testimonies amongst us of God's work in our lives, be it a a healing in our body, be it a situation that God has worked in. And we've heard one uh, testimony there today uh, with Jason talking about his job situation and God turning that around and creating another opportunity. Uh, It reminds me many years ago when Tony and I decided that we were moving back to Perth, uh, having come to the Lord in Bunbury about uh, two hours south, and uh, we... um, Uh, decided to pray about it. Uh, There was no openings. I worked in quite a specialised field as a hydrographer. Um, There were no opportunities. It was not uh, uh, the type of situation where you opened up the paper and there were a list of jobs for hydrographers. You probably never even heard of what a hydrographer is. Uh, But that's what I was uh, trained in for four years. And uh, I just thought, well, God's got to do something here and I thought well maybe there'll be one in private enterprise I knew of one or two positions for hydrographers that were uh, held by mining companies uh, Alcoa for example I thought maybe that's where the Lord will make an opening Uh, and I worked for the government and uh, the government created a new position and uh, I applied for it was successful and was able to move back up to Perth uh, where we got involved in the work of the Lord there and uh, God bless that situation, just as uh, Jason's experienced. And I've seen the hand of the Lord in so many ways in which he's worked in situations that you look at it and you think, naturally, I don't know how this is going to work, but it's not my problem and it's not your problem either. It's not ours. Uh, it's God who does the fighting for us, just as we read here. But what we read also is of the faithfulness of Joshua as a man like you and I, but one that had a trust in God and encourages us to have that same faith and trust to see the hand of the Lord work in every situation. And on the aspect of prayer, as I said, Joshua simply spoke to the Lord, had a conversation with him, told him what he needed, and God did the rest. And so more were destroyed with the hailstones than Israel needed to fight. And a wonderful victory. And it just reminds us of what God is capable of doing in our lives. Now you might think this is pretty extreme as an example goes. And perhaps it is. A day as we read uh, in verse 14, no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. So it's a wonderful victory that has been uh, obtained. But it's no different than you praying for a common cold or crushing your finger in the door of the car or uh, a a problem that one of the children are having at school, for example, or uh, some other situation. You get a bad report from the doctor uh, and you don't know what's going to happen as a result of that. God is able to work in every one of those situations and it's the same simple faith that God is looking for as he saw in Joshua here. And it's the same faith that moves the hand of God, that brings about a miracle 
in our lives. It's not what we're doing in terms of making ourselves better or uh, how we particularly approach the Lord, trying to feel like we're good or holy or worthy or anything like that. It's a simple faith to have a conversation with God and see the Lord work in our lives. Turn up to uh, the New Testament, uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. It's one of those passages where you're not quite sure where to come in. So we'll start in verse 11. It says, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Um, I perhaps just need to read that verse to you from another translation from the Amplified because perhaps doesn't quite give us the right um, message there in verse 12. In the Amplified it says, In whom because of our faith in him we dare to have the boldness, courage and confidence of free access, an unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear as in the way in which we're able to approach the Lord, the boldness and confidence or access that we have to God. Uh, The word uh, access there uh, in the Greek means that relationship with God whereby we are acceptable to him and have assurance that he is favourably disposed toward us. It's a pretty good position to be in, isn't it? Where God has regard for us. Now, we know that uh, the Bible tells us God is not a respecter, of persons and he's not he doesn't look at us and uh, see that we're any better than anybody else but he does have respect unto the faith that we demonstrate to him the recognition that we provide to God of his rightful place uh, the supreme being and that uh, has brought us into a relationship with him through the Holy Spirit and uh, of course the blood of Jesus Christ that's cleansed us from our sin that's made it possible that we are now righteous before God and therefore made worthy and have this access uh, to him that's been provided. In verse 13 it says, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And uh, we'll just pause there for a moment as these words are not uh, without significance in that we're being told about the strength that we can have not in our physical body but in the inner man. Uh, The strength that God gives us and uh, a determination to see fulfilled God's promises in our life in various aspects, not just uh, perhaps in need of healing, but uh, maybe there's uh, uh, our future with the Lord and our our desire to be closer to him, a desire to know him more and more and uh, to be uh, more uh, in a stronger relationship with the Lord, then God wants to provide that to us. 
and it comes through the Holy Spirit that's in us, that unites us together with God and that we can be at one with him. In verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, this is not a verse to just gloss over, but it's the love of God in Christ Jesus that brings us into this relationship with the Lord. And we uh, need that grounding in love, an understanding of God's love toward us. As we read in John chapter 3, verse 16, perhaps one of the most famous verses in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's the promise of God's love in our life. But this love is something that we don't truly know until we've received God's Holy Spirit. It's only through the Holy Spirit that as you read in Romans chapter 5, in the first few verses there, that God's love is shed forth into our heart through the Holy Spirit. And with that love, then we start to appreciate what it is that Jesus has done. Just the completeness of that sacrifice, the promises that have been opened up to all of us, and that by faith and through our prayer, we can see them in our lives. In verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, to know the love of God. The word genosko in the Greek means to know absolutely, to not have a shadow of doubt of God's love towards each of us in that he's shown it through his son. We know that Jesus Christ died because of the love of God towards us to open up the new and living way that the veil of the temple was rent at that time as Jesus died on the cross, signifying that we could have access into the holiest of places, right into the very presence of God. And that came to us through receiving the Holy Spirit, the promise of God in our lives, to know this love and to appreciate it. In verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end. Word, uh, the world without end literally means for eternity, or an age without an ending. Um, in other words, let it continue, let it be something that is just going on in our lives of what God is doing as he's begun the work within us the moment he baptized, or we were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit then the Lord began something inside the seed of God the word the Holy Spirit was placed inside us and it started to bring about a change but don't let it be something that we neglect let's use what God has given to us in the Holy Spirit let's put it to work in our lives through faith through prayer, that we might see it produce what God wants and bring about that uh, fulfilment that is promised to us. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4.
quoted this a little bit earlier, or one of these verses, starting in verse 9. It says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. And I just want to pause there for a moment as well, in that the chapter is about making sure we understand our position in Christ and therefore we've entered into our rest, that we're not striving in some way to please God. And uh, you, you come across many people in life in a religious sense that are trying to constantly make themselves worthy before God. Let it not be what we're doing because we are worthy not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done and God filling us with the Holy Spirit. And all the people said, let's appreciate this wonderful position that God has drawn us into in that he's called us, he's filled us with the Holy Spirit now and therefore we've entered into this state of rest. And that is, we're not trying to strive or to work at pleasing God. Uh, work doesn't please God. Striving doesn't please God. What pleases God is faith, trust in him, being relaxed, confident in our position in Christ. We still have to walk according to his ways. It's not to uh, take away from that in any way, but at the same time it's to appreciate Jesus Christ has done the work and we're enjoying the benefits of it in our lives now. In verse 11, let us labour, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And it goes through that to more so in chapter 3, in the preceding chapter here, to explain how Israel started to strive at working to please God. And as they did so, they missed the mark. And ultimately, they moved away from the Lord. If we start to strive in some way, it can deviate us from a, a simple and a, a restful relationship with the Lord. Instead of relying on the Lord, we're trying to do things in our own strength. And that never works. We'll, uh, we'll stumble, we'll fall, and we'll perhaps question what's going on. Is it the Lord? Is it my relationship with God? When the Lord just wants us to appreciate, you've been saved, you don't have to earn it, now you have to be thankful, grateful, and uh, trusting in the Lord. In verse 12, as I read earlier or quoted earlier, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We're, we're to learn to put the word of God to use in our life. How do you best do that? How do you best put the word of God to use? Well, one, it's knowing it, it's reading it, and then it's being prayerful about it, isn't it? It's praying to the Lord, putting uh, the promises of God back to him in a way that we want to see them fulfilled in our lives. And it says the word of God is something that's alive and powerful. It's quickened to us. As we're prayerful about things, as we read about the word of God, I was having a discussion with someone last night and uh, the question was asked of me, um, how do you know you're doing what's right? Well, we constantly remind ourselves by reading God's word. 
But it's not just in reading the word, it's also about being prayerful. And as we're prayerful in the Lord, and as we're praying to God, and as we're reading the word of God, the word of God is telling us of our walk in the Lord and how God wants us to walk in him. And our prayer is quickening it to us, bringing it alive and helping that to be effective in our lives. In verse 13, let's read a little bit more. It says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. We read about the eyes of the Lord running to and fro throughout the whole earth. There's a couple of scriptures in the Old Testament that just let us know God sees all. God knows what's going on in the earth. He knows what's going on in our lives. We are, as it were, open and naked before the Lord. He knows. In verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. The word profession there is homologia. It's the same word that's used for confession and profession. They're exactly the same Greek word. And it means what we are professing, what we are acknowledging to God. Let, let it be something we hold fast to and be steadfast in our faith towards the Lord. In verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus managed to get through life in a way that he avoided uh, error in his life. Now, we're not going to do that. We're human. We're going to stumble. We're going to trip up. We're going to make mistakes. But we've got to keep picking ourselves up, looking to the word of God, it describes the, uh, the word as something that washes us clean as we read the word of God and just reminds us of who we are and that we can continue to walk in God's ways. And through our prayer, of course, that uh, we have the strength, we have the ability that God is giving to us. Uh, where do we get to? Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And uh, there's situations in our lives that uh, we certainly need God's help. And sometimes when uh, that mountain appears in our path, the first thing we might do is pray. But prayer is something that is part of our everyday life. And it's something that we do every single day is to pray to God. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. It's part of our faith towards God, isn't it? That we're building up ourselves in our most holy faith, as we read in Jude verse 20, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's something we're to do every single day, to set time aside to seek the Lord. And it's dedicated time in prayer. Uh, one of the things I just want to point out, and I hear it from time to time, oh, yes, I have my pray while I'm in the car on the way to work, or something like that. That's not the prayer God's calling us to do. That's maybe the extra prayer that we might have from time to time. But the prayer that the Lord wants us to have is in our closet, 
in our time where we set aside everything else, we're not distracted, but we're speaking unto the Lord. We're doing what Joshua did. We're just speaking to God, talking to the Lord and letting him know what's important to us. We'll look at a few other thoughts on that in a moment or two. And in verse 16, we're just reminded, let's come boldly unto the throne of grace. God's not up there, as it were, out of reach from us. And our prayers, we sort of pray and we hope that somehow they find their way to God's ears. It doesn't work that way. God knows our prayers even before we utter them. And so he's ready to answer all of our prayers. And again, we'll look at a, a couple of scriptures on that as we go here. Um, let's turn to another verse or two. Uh, 1 John chapter 5. We sometimes can get into bad habits in our prayer life, and uh, I'm as guilty as the next person in that sense. We're just reminded, pray every day, make it a dedicated, committed time just between you and the Lord without distraction. Um, put the mobile phone away. You know what it's like. You put it there in front of you. Next minute, a message comes up, doesn't it? Ooh, I wonder who's sent me that message. And you get distracted, perhaps, by it. Or we can be a little bit negligent sometimes and we just forget to pray. And we've got to discipline ourselves and make sure that when we get up in the morning or at whatever time during the day where you've got that time just between you and the Lord. Maybe uh, hubby's gone off to work and it's uh, your opportunity now. Just have that time where you sit down, maybe with a cup of tea, and you have your time of talking to the Lord. However it works for you, but make that time between you and God. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Not very much to ask, is it? So if we believe on the name of the Son of God, then let's know that we've got eternal life and let's continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, didn't he just say that? What's this verse really trying to say to us? And uh, again, I'll read... Uh, Another verse, actually, that uh, I'll explain in a moment. I'll just uh, go through this a little bit slower. Um, in verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. In other words, we have believed and continue to believe in the Lord. And it says that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, the end result of believing in the Lord is not living a good life here on earth, is it? This is sort of something we just endure and get through in a way with the Lord's blessing, of course, and the joy of the Lord. But we've got to get through it. Um, the end result of our faith is to receive the promise of eternal life. This life, the Bible says, is like a vapour. It's here and gone in no time at all. What matters is the eternity of the eternities in the future when Jesus Christ returns to receive the promise of eternal life. Let's not lose sight of the purpose of our faith in God is to meet the Lord in the air 
when he returns to receive the promise of eternal life. And the second part of that verse, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. In other words, believing in the Lord is something that we're continuing to do and to believe in what God will do in our lives, to understand the relationship we have with him today. In verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that, we, that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. This is our confidence in the Lord now, that if we understand our relationship, if we continue to believe in the Lord in the way the scriptures are describing to us here, that there's a confidence that we can enjoy as we were also reading back in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, to come boldly before the throne of grace, to be able to know that our requests are being heard by the Lord and that there's no impediment to it. There's no blockage, as it were, to our prayers, God hearing them, God answering them in our lives. Just in verse 15 again, If we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire or desired of him. The word petitions there is uh, uh, literally as we might know it today, petitioning God, asking things of him. That uh, whatever we ask of the Lord, he hears and he answers, he responds to. But we have to keep asking God. We know that uh, the word to ask means to ask and keep on asking. It's not to give up, but for God to see the persistence in our faith. We read of examples such as Luke chapter 18, where he speaks of that, um, of a friend coming and asking bread of somebody and being persistent in the night and that the man getting up to give the loaves of bread, not because of his being his friend, but because of the persistence that is being shown. And so we're to have that same persistence towards God as a sign of our confidence, our assurance, our boldness towards the Lord. It's our faith in believing in the Lord. Uh, In uh, a couple of chapters earlier, in chapter 3, often tie these scriptures together. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, it says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And that's a verse on its own, if you like, um, in that we're called to demonstrate our love not just in what we say, but in what we do. Our life is a life that is fulfilling what God wants us to, in that uh, we walk in the ways of the Lord, in deed, in our doing, and in truth. In verse 19, And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. The Bible talks about for our conscience' sake, that we continue to be obedient unto the Lord, that we don't want to put ourselves in a position where by our actions in our life, 
we keep questioning our relationship with the Lord. We want to be people that are upholding God's word, uh, maintaining that good relationship with the Lord, and therefore having that continual confidence in our relationship with him. Uh, But as it says in verse 20, if we condemn ourselves for whatever reason, God's greater, God knows our life. God knows our status in him. He knows all things. And therefore we can have a confidence. And if our heart condemns us not, then it says we will have confidence before God. Uh, It's true that if we uh, perhaps... um, trying to take shortcuts in our walk in the Lord in some way, if we're perhaps uh, being a little bit mischievous in some way, then uh, we're going to find it has an effect. It's going to put a blockage in our thoughts and our uh, ability to believe in God hearing us. We will, as it uh, uses the word here, condemn ourselves and therefore uh, we um, will struggle perhaps in our prayer. Whereas... Here we're being told, if our heart condemns us not, if we're confident and we're just continually living that simple life the Lord wants us to, then we have reason to be confident and see the work of God continue in our life, to see that our prayers are being answered. Uh, Turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. It says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, And the Lord shall raise him up, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's a wonderful few verses, isn't it? Just to keep us focused again in uh, terms of our prayer. In verse 13 it's saying, If we're afflicted, the correct response is to pray. And sometimes you do encounter people that uh, even filled with the Holy Spirit, um, oh, I've got this great drama in my life. Have you prayed about it? No. Well, we need to be prayerful, don't we? Um, If we've got things going on in our life and situations, um, increase our prayer. Seek the Lord. Bring God into the equation. Let him uh, work and act to bring about a good outcome for us. If we're happy, if we're merry, it says, sing, sing choruses, praise the Lord, give thanks unto the Lord. And in verse 14, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. If we're struggling with something, then come forward, have prayer. We have a time of prayer in our meetings, of course, where we have a prayer line. It's an opportunity at other times, you might be going through something during the week and uh, you, you're um, perhaps uh, struggling with something, pick up the phone, give us a call. We're only too happy to come around and have some prayer or have some prayer with you over the phone or encourage uh, sharing some scriptures. Then uh, there's always that opportunity 
Um, don't uh, just think you've got to battle it out on your own. You're never on your own in the Lord. You've always got brothers and sisters that care and we're only too happy to have some prayer with you at any stage. Uh, in verse 15 it says, The prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's having that faith in God, isn't it? Coming before the Lord, allowing the Lord into the situation to work and deal with it for us. In verse 16, it's saying to us partway through there, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There is much power in our prayer. Um, In uh, the Amplified Bible, it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Encouragement is, let's keep looking to the Lord in our prayer. Make it a good routine in our life. And in fact, if anything, if I can encourage you to do anything, pray more, not less, and keep looking to the Lord. Um, We live in a world where things are getting harder and harder. Life is not getting easier. And the answer is always through the Lord. And it's a time, a stage in in history, I believe, where the saints are being called to be more and more prayerful about life. The Bible talks about the world getting darker, the days becoming darker, the life that we live is not getting easier. And therefore the answer is be more prayerful, seek the Lord, allow the Lord to be working more in our lives, not less, not to be complacent in this regard. And I'm not suggesting anybody is, but it's just encouragement of the world in which we live in and the need for more and more prayer, seeking the Lord. Um, Interesting, in verse 15, it also says there, um, as we pray the prayer of faith, it says, the Lord shall raise him up, and if you've committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Uh, It sort of goes hand in hand. As we're looking to the Lord and we're drawing the Lord into our life more through our prayer, then we're wanting also to see ourselves just move on in the Lord and and God just cleansing us, taking away the uh, perhaps uh, mistakes we've made and that we just pick ourselves up and continue to walk in the right ways in the Lord. I just wanted to run through a few examples, if you're taking notes at all, of some great healings or or answers to prayer through the Old Testament uh, and one in the New Testament. Uh, Back in Genesis chapter 24, uh, verse 10 to 20, we read of Abraham's servant that prays for help as he uh, is told to go and find a wife for Isaac. And sometimes we can look forward to events in our life that are coming up and we think, well, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I want God to bless it. And if we're prayerful in the lead up to it and keep seeking the Lord about it, then we'll find the answer that we're looking for and the circumstances will be blessed. In my recent trip to uh, Africa, um, as you're aware, um, I think in most cases, uh, to arrive in Kigali um, with a flight booked to Bujumbura and a very short uh, time to get from one plane to the next, and to be told, you can't board the plane, you don't have permission to enter the country, you think, well, what's the Lord doing here? And we just were prayerful about it, Brother Ramundo, who's travelling with me, 
and we could just see the Lord have his hand upon the next days as it unfolded and the events that we're involved in and you could just see well actually I think this was meant to be in a way sure it cost us a few dollars um, to uh, book uh, alternative flights to make the changes and so on and eventually to get the approval to go to the country uh, and that was quite a set of circumstances in that um, Pastor Desiree it was only through his contacts he's the pastor in uh, charge of the work in Burundi, was able to find um, the right government authorities and to obtain permission for us to go there. Otherwise, they wouldn't have let us in because of the pending referendum uh, for uh, extension of the term of office for the then um, president. Um, now, that might not mean a lot to you, but having been there, um, there was a lot of nervous reaction to this referendum that was coming up because um, of the possible interference from outside of the country, hence they were blocking all uh, Muzungus, white men, from entering the country. So we should not have got into the country, is what it meant. But uh, through Pastor Desiree's contacts, we were able to get approval to enter the country. And everything worked out, and it was just through that simple prayer, just trusting the Lord, looking to him that God opened the way there for us and I praise the Lord for it. So situations in our life, we might look uh, and think, well, how am I going to deal with this? What's happening here? Um, but put the Lord to work. Be prayerful about it as Abraham's servant did and found everything just worked out for him. The first lady he saw happened to be the right one. Uh, Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 to 30, uh, Jacob is about to confront his brother, Isaac. And uh, as Isaac, Jacob's about to meet his brother Esau. And uh, Esau uh, has a reason to be angry with his brother from events previously. And again, you might have conflicts within the family or situations that you think, oh, I'm really not looking forward to this. But again, to be prayerful about it, God provided the way and it was a good meeting between Jacob and Esau. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 26, is Nehemiah's desire to go and rebuild Jerusalem. You know, he got a burning desire to do something in the Lord. And Nehemiah had that desire. He just wanted to go and build the walls in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was run down. He felt the calling of the Lord to be involved. You might have a desire in your life to witness to people and to uh, be used by the Lord to further the gospel in some way. You might think, well, I don't, I'm not equipped to do it. I'm, I don't have the strength in myself. Well, Nehemiah didn't particularly, but he sought God. And God provided the way for him and used him to that purpose. And God will use us if we have the desire. And a lot of people put off doing things in the Lord thinking, I can't. I only know what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 4 says, I can. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And we sometimes have to question our own mind. The Bible says the carnal mind is enmity against God it's not subject to God neither can be it's got to be through the spirit that we look to what God can do and through a simple prayer of faith God can use us in different ways 
to uh, be involved. In the book of Esther, chapter 4, verse 5 to 17, and then chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, we read of Esther and Mordecai and their collusion in faith towards what they need to do. Haman, as uh, the opponent there, has uh, sought to decree from the king that all the Jews should be killed. There might be a situation for your brothers and sisters in the Lord, situations perhaps in Pakistan, Burundi, uh, Rwanda, for example, as we know about, and we need the hand of the Lord to work in those situations. Well, it's through our prayer, through our efforts, in the same way as Esther and Mordecai that we can see these situations being overturned. In the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 16 to 23, we read of Daniel and his seeking of the Lord to understand Nebuchadnezzar's dream, to understand wisdom, to understand the things of the Lord, to grow uh, more and more in our understanding of what God has for us, to understand the right ways to walking in the Lord. God will give us that understanding if we're prayerful about it, just as Daniel was. In Acts chapter 12, verse 1 to 12, we read of the saints in Jerusalem praying for Peter to be freed from prison. Peter's put in prison and uh, they, the saints pray for him uh, and so much so that uh, when he eventually knocks on the door, they disbelieve that it's him, don't they? But they were prayerful. God answered their prayer. We can pray for deliverance, again, for our brothers and sisters. We know of a brother or sister that has a need in their life. Be prayerful about it. In the same way, that when we read in the book of Job, chapter 42, verse 10, we read of Job's own personal situation being changed as he was prayerful for his friends. He's gone 42 chapters holding his integrity in the Lord before he finally gets a revelation. Maybe I should pray about it. And he prayed for his friends and the situation turned around for him. Now, I believe there's a really wonderful message for us all there. Don't just pray about our own circumstances. Don't get caught up in everything that we're going through, but pray for your brothers' and sisters' needs as well. And uh, as you do so, God sees our own situation as well. Turn back to Matthew chapter 6, just a passage or two to finish on. It's a... A very big subject throughout the Bible, the subject of prayer, and it's very hard just to break it down to a few verses to share in a talk such as this. So forgive me if I'm going on a little bit longer. In uh, Matthew chapter 6, we'll just go down to verse 5. And when you pray... Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to stand or pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. Now this committed time in prayer in our closet. In other words, private prayer between you and the Lord. Sitting down, undistracted, as I mentioned earlier, just being prayerful unto the Lord. And God will see 
in secret and reward openly. That's a good way to think about it, isn't it? Uh, Every time we just spend sitting with the Lord in prayer, uh, God is seeing it and is going to reward us openly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Corinthians 14 is a chapter that's talking about the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church, particularly of tongues, interpretation and prophecy. But in amongst it, there's a couple of uh, gems for us. In verse 12, even so ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. In other words, when we come together in a meeting such as this and uh, shortly we'll operate the gifts of the Holy Spirit after our time of communion, then it's saying the purpose that we should be seeking is where we can help to encourage our brothers and sisters to edify the church. In verse 13 it says, Wherefore let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. In other words, if we're being used in the gift of tongues, then let it be our desire to be used in the gift of interpretation. In verse 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I'll pray with the Spirit, and I'll pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I'll sing with the understanding also. And uh, Paul is just making the point there that in terms of prayer, we pray in tongues, and we pray in the understanding as our prayer language to the Lord. Uh, But God's equipped us in a way that we can pray to him now through the Holy Spirit in tongues. And it's a special aspect of our, our prayer life to be able to sit with the Lord and speak in a language that God knows perfectly, the language of the Spirit uh, speaking in tongues. In verse 2, it says, For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit... He speaks mysteries. It's not to speak to others. It's purely a language in which we pray to God. Now, I know we know these things, but nonetheless, it's good to remind ourselves. In our prayer, God is hearing as we pray in tongues. In verse 18, Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. He's not being boastful for the sake of saying I'm good. What he's saying is, I've just learnt that it's important to have a good prayer life. And I pray in tongues more than you all. I think uh, in another translation, it just brings out uh, in the Amplified, I speak in tongues more than each of you and all of you put together. (laughs) Now, I suspect that's true of Paul because Paul saw such great things in the Lord, didn't he? And uh, he went through a lot in his life. The only way he would have been able to do it is to be strong in the spirit. The only way to be strong in the spirit is to be built up in God's word and prayerful in the Holy Spirit, to pray in tongues. Turn back to uh, Acts chapter 2. We'll just uh, finish up here. How do we get this power? How do we have the benefit of this language of the Spirit. 
Well, we're told here in Acts chapter 2 in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's about receiving the Holy Spirit. It equips us then with this language to be able to pray to God, this language of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and then, and only then, can we pray to God with this language that is given to us. At the end of the chapter here, Peter stands up and explains what's taken place and in verse 37 it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He says, For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. We live in a world where more and more it's becoming godless. There is an absence of God. Even within religion today, there is less and less God being involved. It's more and more tradition. It's more and more the ways of men following the ideas of man rather than the truth of God's word. And we're told here to repent, be baptised in water and to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. A wonderful promise, the beginning of a new relationship with the Lord, a new life that we experience. So let's uh, look forward to uh, what God has promised being fulfilled in our lives. Be prayerful, see the promises of God fulfilled. Amen. We'll leave our scriptures there. I'm going to hand over to Dave to take us through our time of communion now.